Hello and welcome to the 61st episode of The Sausage Factory, which is brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them how they made their start making games, what their influences are and who inspires them. Split into two halves, the show initially focuses on the developer themselves, and in the second half we discuss the game they're here to promote, which in this case is Umbra by Solarfall Games. Daniel, who are hey. you and uh, what do you do? Well, I am Daniel Dolby from Solarfall Games, and uh, basically I create a game called Umbra, which is now on Kickstarter, and it's an action RPG game uh, with a ton of, uh, ton of cool stuff based on engine, a lot of cool effects and, uh, and more, and we will discuss about that. We will, in great detail, and thanks for the pitch. And yes, it is on, as the time of recording, a couple of weeks left on, uh, on the Kickstarter campaign. You're not the first Kickstarter we've had a game on the show, and uh, so far we've all been successful. Hooray! So it's obviously... Great. Yeah, I know. We've, we've got a good track record. I'm so happy about that. <laughs> um, but um, so, first question, easy enough. You know, you got, mm-hmm. got through that. Well done. Um, so how did you make your start making flashy, lighty video games? Uh, I made my start as a modder um, when I was right. yeah I was a modder on Battlefield 2 uh, and I was at the time I was working on a project uh, based on the Stargate franchise so I'm I was uh, basically working on the sounds and the level design in the first okay. place and then a bit about uh, uh, gameplay. Uh, game design and uh, at this time I was also a student and I was uh, studying uh, the um, net, uh, network and uh, uh, yeah uh, network engineering okay so, so let's talk a bit about modding because we do get a lot of developers on the show who did make their mm-hmm. start doing that and the the most the only mod I played of Battlefield was Desert Combat um, mm-hmm. which is you know, very celebrated in fact it, yeah. it spawned well, it inspired DICE to actually make something similar um, mm. in their subsequent titles. So what, what was the... I mean, it was, the Battlefield 2 was kind of developed with the modding in mind, wasn't it? I mean, the first one was modded more or less by accident, whereas um, the second one was... Wasn't it kind of they like did as much as they could to give tools? To be real... To yeah. be really honest, uh, when I think, uh, uh, think back about it, I don't think... So, um, how to say... The editor was really bugged, uh, and, yeah. uh, and also um, the, there was no uh, code access, as far as I know. So no, uh, no, it was no. pretty difficult. So if you wanted to do like a big modification, you could not do it. No. You had to uh, pretty much do uh, something similar to, uh, to, uh, to Battlefield 2. So basically what we did was uh, the, the mod we, I was working on was released. It was called Stargate Larolev. And uh, well, we simply did a uh, Battlefield 2 uh, mod with uh, Jaffa, uh, sorry, the Goa'uld from the show on one side and the Terrian on the other. And it was, it was really nice to, to, to work on, on this. That was my first uh, experience with the game engine too. So I, I actually learned a lot. Right. And uh, I also learned that uh, video game engine can crash all the time, which was nice to know. Yeah. And, uh, and <laughs> for no fault, you were only could have the best setup. You know, computer's fine. 
It's just the actual code is just busted. Yeah, and uh, what we did also, basically at this point when I was working on that target Laurelev mode, we started to uh, create some kind of small community with a lot of um, modders on um, on uh, Battlefield 2. And uh, slowly, we uh, EA actually saw what we were doing. And at the time, they simply... Uh, Ask us if we were interested to uh, to regroup all of us and start a mod on Crisis, uh, which was uh, the big game uh, to come. And that's yes. how I came on the engine by developing by starting a project which was called Casus Belly and was released to uh, I think it was released like three years ago, something like that. And um, so I didn't uh, spend all the time. Uh, develop, uh, I mean, uh, that mod was developed during four years. I think I spent two years on it. Wow. And uh, so that was one of the um, that was the big the big project in some way for for me at the time because that was the first project where I had access to a code uh, to the source code of uh, Crash Engine uh, the game part the game code but it was still a real uh, real the real deal because it was uh, game coding so I pretty much learned uh, to uh, to code uh, on a game engine with the Cry Engine. And uh, I, I mean, we were, and I was actually the programmer of the team because I right. was the only one who had some skills in programming. Okay. Uh, I was not really good at the, uh, at the time. And uh, that's pretty much the way I started. So. Okay. And um, what's that based on? Is it the C++? It's assembly, isn't it? Or yes. Is it yes. Oh, it's C++. Yeah. I thought you know, some people still use assembly in some things, though, don't they? Um uh, yes, I do, and uh, I actually uh, I I worked on the CryEngine uh, professionally also uh, because that modding actually that Crisis Belly mod brings me to uh, to a forum actually where I met my first boss, uh, okay. and uh, then I work on the CryEngine and there is some assembly uh, code in the CryEngine. So yeah, uh, otherwise well, it it's, it's fun to it's yeah, it's fun something. actually to to uh, to see the uh, assembly code. Uh, when you are reading a code, you're trying to understand, and then you you, you yeah. come to this assembly stuff. You say, "Okay, goodbye." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you hit that, like, "Oh God, okay, that's just I can't." What's yeah. that? Oh, that's just because I've said this on the show before, and apologies for repeating myself to the audience. But computers are ultimately just a series of switches, and uh, you may go, "Really, Chris?" Like it is. It's switches upon switches mm-hmm. upon switches. But once you understand that, you um, really really understand. It, not just yeah. to let you understand, but really understand it. It's very powerful, um, mm. but uh, it's way, so, way more complicated than that. And I'm, I'm doing a disservice to your profession and many others. Yeah. Ultimately, that's what it is, isn't it? And uh, sorry, but to be philosophical on you, but it's true. Uh, and it's <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's just that people um, yeah need to understand that that's what it is. It's way more complicated than that. I know, but there it is. Mm. Um, Especially if you get the code in the first place when you read it in the middle of a huge bunch of code you uh, have trouble to understand in the first place it's it's something to uh, it's really something discouraging yeah it is so you you uh, when did what happened after that when you made your mod you worked on the cry engine what happened after that is this now is it bringing up bringing me up to date to where you are now or did you do uh, for other developers or what, what did you do 
from that uh, mode, so I I went on the forum, I presented it, and then I uh, met my boss online, my first boss online. When uh, my first job, basically, uh, I was I was supposed to be like uh, network engineering uh, engineer, something like uh, someone working in IT in a, any company, something like that. Oh, I see. And actually, almost system analyst, but not quite. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that was the. F- the how to say the work I was supposed to have, but uh, someone so that boss uh, online uh, came to me and said, "Okay, uh, you seems to know how to code on the Cron engine. I know someone to, who knows how to code on the Cron engine for my company. Do you are you interested to come uh, to come in South of France and uh, start working for me?" So I said yes. Uh, it was it was really nice for me because I wanted to uh, to know more about the uh, the game uh, the game engine that kind of thing. That was, I was really curious about that. Okay. So uh, that's the way. That's the way. Actually, I started to work uh, not on video game, but on the, on the engine, on the full source engine, and it was like uh, it was like a huge passion. Uh, and I basically was working all the time, uh, checking new stuff, uh, seeing well, how uh, how the the engine was working, how the physics engine was working, etc. So I I learned a lot uh, that way. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually pretty much had to do it uh, on my own because I was the only programmer of the company. Right. And, uh, but it was it was actually really really nice. And um, that's actually uh, one year after I uh, joined that company, I stopped uh, doing modding because I didn't have a lot of time anymore. No. no. And uh, because I really wanted to uh, to go deep with uh, the full source engine I had, etc. I wanted to uh, to check a lot of things. In yeah. it, etc. And um, so I was spending a lot of time at work, etc. And uh, then, um, few, oh, I think it was one year and a half uh, later, I started to. Uh, I became a bit less curious because I saw a lot of things I wanted to see, and I started to think about uh, a game I would like to play. And um, I saw that the, uh, the crisis modders community was still very active, and I saw that there is there, there was a lot of requests about um, how can we turn the uh, the crunch engine into an RPG uh, RPG uh, game, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Can we turn Crisis into an RPG game? And I actually started to work on uh, some uh, some code to to do this on my free time. So I developed various uh, camera systems, various inventory systems, uh, skill systems, that kind of things. And I that's pretty much how Umbra was born. Because in the first yes. place, it was supposed to be uh, it was supposed to be that uh, kind of uh, RPG. Uh, RPG platform for anyone uh, open source, etc. And the more time I was spending on it, the more I was renting uh, the, the project into an hack and slash uh, gameplay because that was the kind of uh, gameplay I wanted to, uh, to actually see yeah. uh, in, with that project. And um, then I think Crisis 2 came out, that kind of thing, and the community started to decline a bit. And my uh, project was becoming, uh, actually, uh, was starting to become a real game. I had, at this time, I had like the system, I had the stat system, uh, the inventory system was almost working, etc. So I actually started to uh, to really uh, focus on how can I create an icon slash with that engine and what can I create that would be different from other products, uh, other games on the on the market. Okay. And uh, that's and I was actually working so uh, from home and uh, at lunch, I, at work, I was also working on it. And that's how uh, my co-worker saw the project and uh, how two of them actually joined the team. Uh, 
right. that's for basically they were just walking behind me at lunch and saying, "Hey, that's cool. What what is it supposed to be?" Extra? What is this? It's like oh, uh, from yeah. a glance, you'd go, "Oh, he's playing insert hack and slash RPG there." Like yeah. it looks very pretty. Like hang on, this is a oh god, <laughs> is that? <laughs> yes, yeah, it is. And that must have been that sort of that... realization. Like. <laughs> What? Hang on, that looks a bit too. <laughs> so we'll we'll talk about that on the show because I've got some very searching. I hope that you think they're searching questions mm-hmm. about uh, about Umbra, but it brings us up to date, which is fantastic. Thank you very much for that detail. Yeah, so that's the way actually. The, yeah, that's the way actually the, the team was built and uh, how how I started the, the, that project basically. Yeah. So, what are your biggest influences? Now, this question bothers me. I've tried to rephrase it. It doesn't work. But what I'm trying to ask here is what thing, it could be a writer, could be a piece of music, or could be a, you know, a, a concept or an idea or a driver, what is the thing you believe keeps you going creatively? What's the thing that uh, you seem to orbit more than anything that, uh, that uh, keeps you going as a creator? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Uh, I have a lot of um, interest into RPG games, uh, pen and paper RPG games. Me too. Uh, Me too. Yes. Yeah. So that's great. <laughs> and uh, I actually, actually, actually um, how to say, um, I'm trying to find the cool features in these uh, in these games that have never been uh, integrated, for example, in a video game, and I'm trying to find a way. To implement them because if they haven't been implemented, that's for a reason. Uh, <laughs> I guess that a uh, lot of people saw, hey, it would be cool to do this, 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 but uh, for some technical reason, you can't do it. Yeah. In the end. And uh, I think that one of the main uh, one of the main uh, things that uh, that drives uh, yeah, the creativity uh, on Umbra, for example, the one of the features, the apocalyptic form, is something that comes directly from a game called uh, Demons of Fallen. And right. uh, that pretty, do you know the game? No, no, no. I'm it's just pretty talking. much. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite under, underground, actually. Um, it's yeah. like uh, it was in the series of uh, Vampire the Masquerade uh, games from White Wolf. Uh, so you maybe know uh, Vampire the Masquerade. Um, and in this series, in this universe, which they call the World of Darkness, they had uh, so vampires, they had werewolves, they had uh, other uh, other uh, like uh, mages, that kind of things. And yeah. there is one game who was, I think, there is like about ten different books uh, for the complete universe. It's, it's called Demons of Fallen, and I actually loved uh, that uh, that game. And um, the apocalyptic form concept come from that game, and the, um, how to say, we had like a game master who was mastering the uh, the game, and at some point he just stopped uh, his campaign, and I couldn't uh, play that game anymore for with any other uh, group of players. So yeah. I was really frust- frustrated, and yeah, I basically uh, yeah. yeah, and in some way I decided to uh, to implement that system into Umbra because I thought it was really cool and all it was interesting from the for the gameplay, and also I really liked the idea. So that's. Uh, I think we will talk more about that uh, that we game feature later. Yeah. But um, yeah. just to give you a background myself, I mean, uh, I was a very lapsed RPG player until about seven or eight years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. Started playing fourth edition. Don't judge me. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, no, it's all right. I'm kidding. Uh, but uh, it felt like Diablo, so that's why it felt very convenient. Oh. 
and also mm. with, you know it it, it it ultimately was uh but then i started playing uh, other rpgs i even tried 3.5 edition which was kind of broken and then i tried um uh ran some dragon age dragon age rpg uh not to mm-hmm. dissuade from your own work but uh, it's a very fun rpg only unfortunately limited by the content because it's very limited by that single world so you can mm. go outside that world and uh, when you're running the game and uh, it's, it's a very good and fast paced system but it relies, on the, relies on the players being familiar with that environment ok there is a, a pen and paper um, Dragon Age game yeah ok I didn't yeah, understand yeah it's, yeah, it's, right. a, it's a 3d6 based system um, very okay. very fast very very quick to actually resolve combat and skill checks and what mm. Okay. It's, very, it's, it's very fun, but uh, like I said, it's set within that very defined and narrow experience of the Dragon Age environment. So once you, mm. if okay. the, once the players are bought into that, it's fine. But if they're not or not familiar mm. with it, it's rather a struggle. And I think okay. that. so. Uh, but yes, um, I've actually had just hold of a, a new RPG it's called Sleeper, which I'll, I'll link to you at the end of the show. <laughs> Sorry, everyone, you okay. can check it out as well. Uh, it's called Sleeper. It's a great RPG. It's set in modern times where you're playing super agents fighting off evil villains and it's really fun uh, <laughs> you know it's, it's great so nice. to be able to pick up a Sean off shotgun and say I have a shotgun you know what to do with that right so it's got sh- it's great when you have mm. weapons that we're familiar with in an RPG yeah because you pick it up mm. and go, it's a shotgun right so it's got poor range yep but great blast rate yeah there you go <laughs> you yeah, know yeah. you know <laughs> so I don't you know there's a lot, all that explanation stuff is done away with you just get on with what you want mm. to do so that's the benefits and also some negatives to that as well because you're the, the familiar can breed contempt but uh, that's right. a discussion for another time um, so you covered your influences it's pen and paper RPGs and also you know, other games as well but yeah definitely yeah. pen and paper RPGs and I you know I, I'm a big fan of those two I'm a DM more than I am a player um, much to my regret because I love playing and I think the best DMs also play uh, because they can empathise, they can say, "Well, would I find that entertaining uh, as a player?" Yeah. So, but it's, unfortunately, when you're a DM, people go, "Oh, Chris can do it; it'll be fine." Um, so, what developer do you most uh, admire in the industry, and why? Who do you who do you think they they're doing good things, and they should carry on doing those things? Could be a person, could be a company, could be both. Uh, that's a really good question. Um, to be really honest with you, I don't really follow um, uh, the actuality uh, on on that matter. I actually uh, I'm usually yeah actually I'm usually on my uh, computer just seeing okay that company does this etc. I have like uh, of course a lot of uh, admiration for um, for the work that Carmack uh, did and uh, for the work that Notch did. Basically, mm-hmm. from uh, going from the very uh, tiny, uh, tiny uh, studio development to the worldwide uh, entity. But to be really honest with you, I barely know the name of some actors of the movie I like. So yeah. from the game yeah. developer, I can really not say. I, I'm like <laughs> that too. I, I, I haven't had a problem because I like board games as well. And there's a yeah. very strong niche of people who will... Mm. Who will say, "Oh, this game is by such and such," so you know what it's like. And I'm sitting there going, "I've no idea what you're talking about." Yeah, yeah. it's like, "Sorry, uh, it's, what is it? Is it a worker placement game? What, what kind of game?" No, mm. it's you know, such and such person. Like, 
no, again, I don't understand what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> um, what kind Let's... of game is it? Like, no, it's such. Oh, for God's sake! <laughs> they, they will define the game based on its creator, and they're like, no, yeah, okay. I don't mm. understand what you mean. Tell me what the game's about. I don't yeah, know yeah. Who made it. Actually, <laughs> you know. Actually, if you give me the name of, uh, for example, for, for tabletop uh, game, I actually know some names, but you will need to give me the name first. And yes. then I will say, okay, I play this game from him, <laughs> I play that game, etc. But for, to be honest, I don't even remember the name of the actor I like, so no, no, I, I can't just, say. It sounds like you're being disrespectful. Maybe you are. However, all I can say is um, the actor's done their job by actually mm, portraying yeah. character. Because that's what mm. they do. They pretend yes. to be someone else. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a craft, I grant you. But, you know, right. it's like, I only see this director's films. Really? I, don't, I only see this screenwriter's films. Mm. Do you? Really? <laughs> I mean, again, it sounds like I can be disrespectful. It's not, it should be... Oh, it's a discussion for another time. So, I mean, yeah. I've, I've had other people said things like, oh, no, I like Nintendo stuff. And it's true. They do some amazing mm. stuff. You know, you can yeah. be dead inside not to think that. I'm like, sorry, it sounds dramatic, but it's true. I mean, they're, they're a fantastic developer. But it's an amorphous yeah. blob, isn't it? It's thousands of people. Um, mm. And we yeah. just to say, oh, yeah, Nintendo are doing good stuff. Yes, they are. It's the Nintendo. Yeah, they're huge. <laughs> they are huge. But they, like I said, they're, they're like Blizzard. You know, they're, they're very similar mm. in my view. Uh, but they, they deal with two very different markets. Uh, I hate that phrase. Do you know what I mean? But uh, no, you've answered that well. Well done, that. Okay. Honestly, Great. which is what I want. Hopefully, this is my next. The last question is about you. Then we go on to Umbra, as you'd be okay. happy to know. But this is my favourite question <laughs> because it gives me a hint about what you may be working on in the future. <laughs> uh, that usually doesn't actually. So I get some really weird answers to this one. What are you playing right now? Uh, well, I'm playing. I am uh, at the moment. I'm not playing any game because I cannot. But the game I'm playing, and it will be, uh, it will be indeed a good hint of uh, the game I want to, uh, to bring after Umbra. I want to develop after Umbra. Uh, I'm playing Blood Bowl. I'm playing a bit of um, Xenonauts, and I want to play the next GTA, which has nothing to do with the other game I just named. But I <laughs> haven't played it yet. So and Blood I really Bowl. Want to play um... it. The video game version yeah. of Blood Bowl, yeah? Yes, yes. It's much, much easier than the yeah. DS version. I, I, do have I play the, once. Yeah. I do have the regular version, the analog version, if you will. Really? I have, you know, yeah. some teams and all sorts. I have it. But, yeah, mm. getting out sometimes is, is a bit of a, a chore. <laughs> but it's really long, really long to play Blood yeah, Bowl. Is, I played it yeah. one or two times, and it's like four hours for a game when you don't yeah. know the rules. Yeah. Uh, when you don't know uh, what, how to calculate, etc. And actually, the the um, the video game makes things much, much, much easier. It does yeah. make it much, much easier, and it makes it much, you know, much less fiddly, which is mm. an important thing. But no, um, and GTA Five on the new consoles yeah. or the PC looks glorious, doesn't it? Yes. I mean, just yes. topping an amazingly good-looking game and plays well. Too. Yeah, I just can't play it right now because with the Kickstarter, there's so many things to do. I know, but just, I just well, the reason I ask this question is it means yeah. you're you embrace the medium as a whole. You play, you're mm. not living in a bubble. Of course, you're not. But I want to demonstrate to to listeners that human beings make video games and they make they play other games other than the ones they're making. 
Yeah. I know it sounds weird, right? But it's true. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> right. I actually didn't name any hack and slash right now because I'm not playing any. Uh, oh, I, that's fine. I actually uh, spent a lot of time on Diablo and Pass of Exit before, and uh, I know that if I go back on Pass of Exile, I will spend way too much time on it. Yeah. So it's like um, it's the reason I don't play Civ Five. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. like it. That's a game. I will yeah. not do anything else. Too dangerous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's really too dangerous for me to uh, to go back on Pass of Exile, especially with Any... the last uh, patch they did. I adore 4X games, but they're not good for my mental health. I'm just yeah. saying. Mm. <laughs> Actually, uh, it's a bit same with uh, Xenonote. I, I stopped it uh, a little when I was starting the uh, Kickstarter campaign because Xenonote is some kind of uh, XCOM version in 2D um, right. developed by a small indie team. It's really I love the game. But it's like uh, it's like I can spend uh, four hours. I don't even see them uh, spend. So it's I, that's the kind of game I need to really control uh, the time I, I spend on. Yeah, a big alarm clock that hits you in the face. It's the yeah, silly. So that's the first half of the show. Well done, yay! Right. Made Thank it. You. Past the first, you know, the last boss, well, the first boss, which mm-hmm. is that last question. So now we're going to go on to the second half where we talk in detail about Umbra. So, this is the first question. This is called the zeroth question. Mm-hmm. So, it's a bit of an Asimov reference, but um, you might be familiar with it. Um, zero question or zeroth law. Um, basically, mm-hmm. can you tell us about Umbra? The pitch, please. Ah, uh, so the pitch on the yeah. scenario or on the game? On Just the, the game. game. Okay. Or so both. The... I don't mind. I'm cool. I'm easy. The game is about um, uh, it's an hack and slash, so an action RPG uh, without class restriction. And uh, basically, we offer a lot of options to make sure that your character building will be uh, unique. Uh, one thing I didn't really like in Diablo's game was like uh, you had to play an archetype. So there was quite a lot of archetype in Diablo 2 and uh, in the trees there is also a lot of variation, but. In the end, you always end up with the same powers uh, in some in uh, some way and the same items. So, the idea of Umbra is really to try to create a game that will uh, um, make sure that you will be able to play a lot of various uh, builds. And um, something I really like uh, in uh, uh, in RPG game usually is the free uh, freedom of uh, uh, class development, uh, no class restriction, basically uh, development for your characters. Uh, because I usually like to play a barbarian uh, with a lot of skull around me, so uh, that's uh, that's pretty much uh, what guide uh, the design of Umbra in the first place. And then okay. on top of that, we had so that's a really cool feature of apocalyptic form, which is something I really uh, uh, I'm really excited about to um, to develop and to to show. We will like uh, create a video presentation of it uh, for next week. And I hope uh, people will will enjoy it. Mm. And uh, on top of that, we also have like a really cool uh, craft system and a nice housing system that will allow uh, people to uh, showcase uh, all the stuff they have gathered in the world and uh, show put them uh, everywhere in the house. So that's a global idea about Umbra. 
Brilliant. I couldn't say it myself better. Mm. English there, Chris. Nicely yes. done. Um, but yes, you couldn't better put it better myself. Um, it, it, it is a very exciting and looking game, and that's what I want to focus a little bit on later on in the show because of the engine that runs underneath it, which is yeah. very different to most uh, games out there. Mm-hmm. So, Umbra started out as an engine for RPG development. This is mm-hmm. what the information you spoke about earlier in the show. But what was the trigger moment for when you said, you know, I really should make this into a full game? What was the, Was there one particular moment, or was it happened over many months? Or oh, It appeared during many months, actually. Uh, as I said, I was mostly... Uh, in the beginning, it was supposed to uh, like manage a third-person camera, third-end, uh, how to say... Um, dialogue module like uh, Baldur's Gate and uh, a lot of stuff like that and in the end I was uh, just seeing okay I need to uh, for example uh, orient the development to a certain type of gameplay because I won't be able to uh, to deliver something uh, correct for a first version for the for the open sourcing and I pretty much started to guide uh, to orient the development to an uh, hack and slash um, uh, system and the more I was uh, evolving with it, the more I say, hey, that's actually really nice for uh, for a game itself. It should be a game. And slowly, I uh, since I was also um, a game master for uh, our pen and paper RPG games, I actually started to develop a complete universe and uh, uh, writing basically a story that should go with uh, basically it was supposed to be for my uh, pen and paper um, uh, players but uh, I for some reason I decided to switch uh, the game I was uh, going to a master etc so the story was written and uh, it was useless in some way for my players and it was actually in a world with a lot of fantasy and um, pseudo steampunk stuff so it actually pretty much uh, fits a video game but I had to simplify, etc. And uh, actually, that's the way I started to really think Umbra, uh, to think about Umbra, basically, to think it, uh, what I was doing as a, as a real game. And uh, basically, I started also to um, to try to uh, build some levels, to build some, uh, to have some kind of art direction for uh, for the demo I was uh, building and. All that stuff in the end come to have actually a prototype of a game. So slowly it started to uh, to be built uh, as a game. And uh, at some point when the, the rest of the team uh, said, "Hey, I'm interested. I would like to uh, to work on that." Well, that's the time when I say, "Okay, it will be it will be an actual game." And since I haven't uh, released anything uh, until then, so it was it was fine. Okay. So as I thought it was, it was rather than going, you know making a flip in the switch and saying, no, nope, I don't think this is going to be an engine anymore. Let's just make it yeah. of it. It was as time progressed and as thing, and your, your colleagues and your friends are looking at this thing going, couldn't you just yeah. release this? Isn't it? No. And it, it probably like discussions you had over lunch with people and when you weren't working on it, it, it just realized that, yeah, you're right. You're probably convinced that well, you should make this. Actually, um, there is another thing also, it's like uh, up in the time when the team started to be uh, to be created, there was also the announcement for the CryEngine. I think that was about that time, maybe a bit uh, later, uh, earlier maybe, I don't remember exactly, um, that the CryEngine was going to be uh, available for indie developers. So it's also worked a lot, uh, how to say, it, yeah. Um, yeah. it 
I had a lot of uh, thinking about, hey, should I should it become actually a game? Because so many things I have already uh, wrote so many code and I have the basement for for a real game, and that's the way actually uh, it started to um, to uh, basically I started to think about that and also I. Um, I was thinking about the fact that since a lot of things were easy to maybe to use uh, later for people, since all the game system or Bison XML files, that kind of things, maybe it will be actually a really nice way to support modding for the game. Yeah. And uh, so okay. it's actually uh, the work I did previously was not completely useless. For example, no. if I want to release it for a game uh, mod support, and that pretty much uh, slowly, uh, how to say, the project become naturally uh, a game, a, a real game. Okay. So, my next question is, I want to talk about this customizable character development system you've called mm. Apocalyptic yes. Form. Um, now, it's kind of an emotional question I'm asking you. Was this developed as a means to encourage a stronger link between the player and their avatar, on-screen avatar? Do you believe that that's, that was why you did this? Uh, to be honest, uh, maybe yes. Maybe yes. Yeah, uh, that was not maybe the uh, the real idea. But since you are developing your uh, your apocalyptic form, and basically you want uh, unlock the same uh, what we call apocalyptic upgrade, uh, which are like mutation in some way, like uh, horns, wings, uh, sword arms. Uh, Death or around you, that kind of thing. Yeah. Since all players are not supposed to unlock the same because they will be unlocked according to the way each player are playing, um, in the end, it really becomes like a bond uh, from your characters to, uh, to your uh, history in the game. And um, basically, you will see someone with, uh, you will have like a real cool uh, apocalyptic form, and you will see someone with another real different but very cool. Uh, um, form and in that case, that's the kind, that's the kind of uh, time you can ask that guy, "Hey, how did you unlock this um, this uh, this mutation?" Basically, and he say, "Okay, I uh, I killed that boss with using uh, that specific skill, etc., and I un- unlocked it uh, that way." So it actually really creates some kind of story um, for your visual ap- appearance, and it also makes you uh, quite different from the other guys uh, in the. Uh, in the game, and thanks to uh, that, and thanks to the freedom of uh, character uh, restriction, it I, I believe it will be like uh, really nice uh, personalization uh, for your character build. That's I think that's uh, that will be a real uh, nice bond between uh, your character and your uh, your basically you as a player. Yeah, that was what I was thinking. One of the things that attracted me to the game and the idea behind it was that you have this almost uh, unparalleled level of micromanagement and detail Mm. about how much you can change your character to reflect how you'd want to be, how your character would want to be represented in the world it inhabits. Mm. I'm not suggesting people reproduce themselves because that would be ridiculous. Um, I hope people don't do it. Most people, most RPGs I know, don't like to repro- don't like to empathise themselves because it's just pointless. That's mm. not really role playing, is it? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. um, so it's you know um, so you know they're creating a, a character in a world that you made. So the only way mm. they can create create within that is by their own character. So yeah. now Umbra has a great deal of detail and visual nuances 
that most indie games don't traditionally have. No disservice to indie game developers out there, mm-hmm. but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I believe, and this is my concept, do you think that the use of the Crytek engine was the prime reason why Umbra looks like it does? Uh, well, I, yes, of course. <laughs> I, can, <laughs> I cannot say the opposite. Uh, basically, what there is two real uh, big uh, strengths for uh, for our use of Crytek. It's uh, first the uh, use of the lights, uh, and uh, well, yeah, it's incredible. The lights. Yeah. I want to sort of pause for a moment because. People yeah, and basically you can have like a real, uh, almost an empty scene, uh, empty scene, and as long as the lighting is good, it will look really nice. So uh, the scene we did, we show uh, in our trailer are not really empty, but uh, still there. You can have like really uh, small scene and with very minimal amount of asset in it, and still if the lighting is the, in the right place, it will be, it will look nice. And the second thing uh, makes that make uh, the game uh, that looks uh, nice is the particle system, and that's the particle system of the crown engine. So um, we could have built the game on another engine, but it was, will certainly not look the same. No. So, so I just wanted to get that out of you because it, it just looks, it's just the lighting. Well, not just the lighting, but it's yeah. just the level of detail in the characters and the animation is very, very fast and fluid. Mm. But it's the it's the visuals of the, the lighting, yeah. how everything glows. And when it emits a glow, it does actually splash onto other things and then they reflect the light back. This mm. sounds a bit sort of shallow, but it's not. It actually makes a huge difference because it, yeah. Again, it draws the player more into the world because it looks more believable and less yeah. cartoony. Uh, and that's what struck me about Umbra yeah. um, when I first saw it. Was it's just just it looks incredible. Mm. Uh, and I'm like, well, how are they doing this? Because I assumed, and because I knew nothing about the game, someone pointed me a video and like I was like, I knew nothing. I was like, how are they doing this in Unity? Unity can't do this. Well, no, it can't. <laughs> it's a bit harder to do it in Unity. I mean, yeah. you can achieve like really nice uh, result in Unity, yeah. but I don't think uh, Unity can, um, how to say, manage uh, such a huge um, map that we have. I'm not sure it can. Uh, maybe it can, but it I'm not eventually, sure. Eventually, but right now, but maybe not with the same performance in the end. Because uh, when you, I, I think from what from the taste I did. Uh, I think CryEngine was a bit better, and also the lighting system of CryEngine is uh, is like crazy. So yeah, that's it's, it's just... that's the main uh, the main point. So, yeah. so the last question, I know, sad, but it's, oh. all things all good things come to an end. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is about the open world nature of Umbra. It's boasted to being to, to having one, which is great. Yeah. We've already mentioned GTA Five earlier on the show, so obviously you have a, an affinity to those environments. Yeah. But how open is it, really? Now, bear with me as I say this, because what mechanical sort of gameplay barriers exist within Umbra to prevent the player from wandering off, aimlessly killing pigeons for hours? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Sorry, uh, that's GTA Four. Sorry, but anyway, yeah, you know. What I mean. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So there is actually something really specific for uh, Umbra's open world because um, we have like a four square um, kilometer uh, map and it may sound a bit small, but there is some stuff to consider actually since we are creating an Akenslash game. Um, So 
Actually, the open world in an access game cannot be really built in, some, in the same way you build a, an open world for an RPG or for a third-person camera uh, game, basically. Because um, in our game, you don't have like a huge, um, how to say, a huge uh, site uh, for the, on the environment, for example, and you can't have like a huge empty area uh, in front of you. Uh, because if we have a huge empty uh, um, area on the in the game. Uh, since your camera only sees like something like 30 meters uh, around your character, it will just look like an empty game uh, because we don't see the horizon, uh, that kind of stuff. So one thing we have to do uh, on Umbra's open world is to make sure that every like 60 or 50 meters there is a point of interest. Uh, interest. Uh, to make sure that uh, there will be something to see and there will be something to fight or to uh, to talk to, uh, that kind of thing. So basically, the open world of Umbra needs to be really uh, rich. Uh, and um, what we are trying to do is to make sure that a um, player will be able to pretty much move uh, where he wants. But there will be, of course, uh, more dangerous zone, uh, zones. Uh, the scenario of Umbra actually uh, takes place in a very uh, dangerous and hostile world. So um, you will see like uh, some village, some protected village at some point, but most of the environment will be uh, a good reason to uh, see monsters or to see traps. Right. So um, the, um, the weaker enemies will be set at your level to make sure that the game is always interesting uh, whatever, uh, wherever you go. But the stronger enemies won't be scaled down to your level, so they will be much uh, stronger. And uh, if you um, if you are not cautious, they will certainly uh, one shot you or that kind of thing. Um, so another thing, yeah, yeah, I just wanted to get that out of you again. As I like tease information out developers, it's like how yeah. how are you going to manage to prevent people from just like oh I'm just going to. Uh, so, there. Yeah, there is an, another actually uh, mechanics uh, in Umbra, so um, uh, which is uh, the reason we actually bring the apocalyptic form in uh, in place. So basically, the the thing is, you will play like uh, you will play the game like a normal hack uh, and slash game in some way. So you will find a mini boss and. Uh, uh, normal trash mobs, that kind of thing. And at some point, we will intentionally uh, generate huge threats for your characters, like, uh, uh, let's say, uh, in comparison for with Diablo, it will be like you have to fight, uh, I don't know, five pack of, uh, of, elite, uh, of elite monsters in the, same, in the same time. So it will be like uh, really difficult for you to, uh, to face that threat. And at the time, actually, when you need to use that apocalyptic form, you have to save it for the right time. And uh, if you uh, basically are running in uh, an area that is uh, supposed to be uh, dangerous for your character, and it will be always uh, notified to you or to you by some NPC and that kind of things, um, you will uh, certainly die. So yeah, right. <laughs> that's uh, because we intentionally build that uh, apocalypse form feature to make sure that um, in some way we you will have to use it. Uh, and you really need that burst of power to face a huge threat. So right. if you are, if you don't have the level, it's almost sure that you will uh, die. And maybe right. some people will find uh, a way. Uh, they, they always do to find a no, way. Oh, they will. To, yeah, yeah. always like you know this. But people, we will patch the game and make sure they die too. So people finishing The Witcher in twenty minutes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, sorry to raise that game. Nothing against that game, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, to say. How did you do that? Oh, I did this, and or, or finishing, you know, um, 
uh, Skyrim in five minutes. Yeah, yeah. So just, you know, that sort of stuff. Oh, I found this potion that I can just hit, and there you go. Whatever. Mm. But yeah, that's that's going to happen, especially with open world games. But that's fine yeah. because that's you know that's. We, it's, we will try to make sure that there is some punishment for people who goes in place they are not supposed to go. Yeah. Basically. Well, yet. Yeah. Just to say that. Yeah. And also, yeah. yeah. Also for the main quest, there will be like of course triggers to make sure that you won't end the game before you have at least uh, achieved that dungeon and this dungeon and this dungeon. So that's good because yeah. the biggest failing I have with myself of. The uh, Elder Scrolls games, sorry to bring those up, but there's mm. nothing wrong with them. Um, I don't think, anyway. Although, I say nothing. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, I, I'm very much um, a goal-driven person. Uh, and when I play RPGs, I sort of latch on to the main quest and then proceed to carry on the path mm. of the main quest without having any distractions, you know, de- deviate me away from that. Mm. And then I finish the main quest and go, okay. <laughs> Hmm. Now what? Oh, could you go and kill some bandits? I just saved the world. Come yeah. on. <laughs> Whereas, you know, mm. well, what you described would prevent that from happening. We will try to prevent that, yes. Because it, it means I did it in about 20 hours. <laughs> you know, which, yeah, Skyrim is like, it's like what? But yeah, uh, I finished it. But that's still nice for 20 hours for a main quest. is is okay, I mean. It's good. No, it's, yeah. no you're right. But in, in Elder Scrolls terms, apparently that's yeah, yeah. scratching that's the low. surface of the game. So <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say. Is No, no, you meant to play... No, it's 20 minutes. It's <laughs> three hours, as I say. It's fine. I'm, I'm done. Yeah. You mean you're done? I'm done. So, Daniel, thank you very, very, very much. Right, thank you time. for having me here. Um, the game's coming out. Umbra, I should say, is coming out on PC, Windows, and Linux. Is that right? Yes. Uh, for now, it's on PC and Linux. And maybe if some stretch goal or uh, reach, maybe console. But I don't think... Uh, uh, for now, it's mostly built as a PC game. Yeah, yeah. And uh, maybe if uh, Crytek announces uh, Mac support uh, for the engine, we will uh, bring the game on uh, on Mac too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. for now, it's not the case. So still, since there is no official support, we don't support uh, Mac. No, but yeah, true. that's the idea. So uh, some information about the release time um, for yeah. bakers. Yeah. yeah. So for bakers, basically, if you uh, pledge uh, for the game, like uh, it's a forty dollars uh, reward, uh-huh. you can access our uh, prototype, uh, like in one or two months. Yeah. So it will be like a minimal uh, minimalist game. Basically, it was built to be um, to be fun in five minutes for the game developer conference uh, a few a few months ago. Uh, so, because we wanted to show the game, and uh, you can't really show a game when you are su- uh, a game where you're supposed to build a character and uh, show it in five minutes because you won't build your character in five minutes. So we basically remove a lot of things from the game, like uh, well, the craft is not in it, the uh, housing is not in it. You, there is no real cost in resources for uh, the spells. But it's still uh, quite fun to, to to play, and there is some uh, s- uh, skills to uh, to test. So it will be basically a great-looking uh, environment and really nice effect and skill to cast. And this is going to be released one or two months after the Kickstarter for people who pledge like forty dollars. It's a wizard tiered on the Kickstarter page. Okay. Then uh, for the alpha release, we plan to start it around November of 2015, so in uh, okay. six months, something like yeah. that. 
and uh, it will be on Steam Early Access. Right. And uh, the um, the real release of the game is planned for October 2016. Right. So the alpha access should be six months before uh, October, but we can't really say exactly when. Uh, basically, the alpha will be like a technical alpha, so we will start to uh, to test basically some uh, some mechanics, etc., some balance, and um, the alpha, uh, the beta version will be more uh, something uh, close to the final game, with, but with like some bug things and uh, balance stuff uh, to uh, to do. So that's pretty much the idea. Brilliant. That I, yeah, that's all the detail I need. And then some. Great. Um, thanks for that detailed explanation about your facing of the release of the game. Yeah. Something as ambitious as this. You have been working on it for over four years, or is it five? Yeah. I've been four, trying to uh, figure a out. A bit more than, five. than four, actually. A bit I more than is, four. Yeah, okay. So yeah. it's a bit more than four. I thought it was five. Someone told me. Uh, it's almost five. I, actually, yeah. I don't really remember exactly when yeah. I started. <laughs> but, but I want uh, people need to know, because it means... It was on Pro Engine 2. Yeah. So, you, so did, you have thrown yourself into this. With great passion, you can yeah. tell from your where you're chatting about it. And like I said, um, we're talking at this just when the uh, first level of backing, what well, funding's happened. You know, it's going to happen. Game's going to happen, everyone. Yay! Actually, we are funded already. Yeah, you we are have... funded. That's what I'm saying. You are funded. Okay, okay. Yeah. I didn't get that. Sorry. But what I'm saying is, you're now seeking stretch goals, which yes. one of them is to make uh, multiplayer. Yes. We're chatting about that before the show, and, and I just wanted to promote that. But yeah, we have got. Because the game currently, sorry, Umbra doesn't currently support multiplayer, but if we have enough no, funding, we, yeah. Yeah. yeah, what what is the value of the stretch goal? Uh, to be real, it's not really high. It's like 360. Uh, yeah, I think we can reach it. Uh, the thing is, actually, we already have some kind of small working, um, not small, but bugged version of the multiplayer build. But we know there is a lot of... Uh, fixed to, uh, to do on it. So um, I actually started, when I started the project uh, a few years ago, I started to implement multiplayer too. And at some point I stopped and uh, because I wanted to make sure I will have like a really nice prototype to, to present, etc. So we have a good basis, but it needs some, uh, some improvement. And um, so that's the reason we are asking for 360 uh, K dollars. And uh, I hope we will reach it. And because I would really love to have uh, the, yeah. the uh, multiplayer. So it won't be uh, basically, it won't be like a full open world uh, multiplayer in the first place. It will be like, um, it's what we call a hero defense mode uh, in some way, uh, multiplayer mode. So basically it's like you, uh, you will have a medium size map in which there, is, there will be a lot of optional uh, side quests. Um, it will be a bunch of the open world, but not uh, all the map. And you will have to defend the place and uh, try to accomplish some side quest mission. And there will be a lot of randomization, that kind of things, to make sure you, uh, the game will be uh, replayable. And so that's uh, the first version of the multiplayer we will uh, release. And then we will have other stretch goals to implement other real cool features that will come uh, after for other multiplayer uh, game mode. Brilliant. I mean, I'm just looking at the Kickstarter page now. We've got 6,719 backers. One just appeared as we were chatting. Mm-hmm. And it's now up to $233,164 with 13 days to go. And it's out of... The, the pledged amount required to fund the game is 225000 Yeah. Um, so, look, this isn't exploding kittens, but that was an anomaly. Yeah. 
very... Sorry, I just want to chat to you about it. What's your take on exploding kittens? You, you can say what you like. I won't judge you in any way, but what's your, what's your take on that? Like, I what the hell? Actually, to be, um, there is one question I ask myself. Um, was that some famous guys uh, behind it? No. What? No. Well, the only way you could... You could, you know what it's about. Yeah, it's a card game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but then, I was wondering if there is like uh, some, I don't know, some game star behind it. No, but I, the, no, the, no, the no. famous person behind it is the is the cartoonist. Okay. So if you look up the oatmeal and look at his cartoons, yeah, I think they're brilliant. They okay. are genuinely brilliant. So just look at them, um, and uh, they're very, very, very funny. He loves animals. Yeah. And it sounds like, oh, really? No, he really understands animals. I mean, one of his recent ones, he did, um, if my two dogs were middle-aged men, one of the funniest things I've read in my okay. life. Okay. So that's why he got $4 million. Yeah, that's a, actually, a to, be, to be really honest, I didn't saw the Kickstarter at the time, but I would maybe pledge for it because <laughs> the, the idea is nice, actually. <laughs> the idea sounds for fun, so yeah. But it's four million dollars for yeah, a four million card dollars. game. <laughs> if it please people, it please people. There, there is no. Yeah. So you know, I'm saying seller four games are not asking for four million dollars. No, okay, they're not. They're yeah. not. asking for something far more modest than that. Yeah. Uh, uh, but it's I, I I think it's fantastic um, looking, beautiful, beautiful game. Uh, but it's more to it than that. There's there's we've spoken about it at length in this show. Hopefully you convinced you enough to pop along to the Kickstarter and have a look. And if you pledge, great. If you're not, okay, whatever. You can, yeah. I mean, a lot, a lot of people actually just hold back and go, I'm going to wait for this to final release. I know a lot of people did that with Pillars of Eternity, and that's fine. Mm. There's um, something I can say, actually, for, to pledge again, basically, uh, to, uh, to make sure people actually uh, will consider it. It's yeah. basically the game will be sold for at least $30 on Steam when it's released. And uh, right now we can get it for fifteen dollars, which is uh, and actually you get a Steam key and a DRM free uh, copy that yeah. you can give to anyone you want. So it's like two copies for fifteen dollars instead of thirty for one. Okay. And you have a lot of uh, exclusive uh, armors and pet skins to uh, to get on the Kickstarter. So it's time to get it, or you won't get it at all. Yeah. I mean, what, what I love about video game uh, Kickstarters is they do actually fund a genuine product which you can buy after mm. it's funded. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, with, oh. with tabletop games and board games, that doesn't necessarily happen. Yeah, yeah that's uh, right. It's kind of frustrating. But, uh, but we, we really want to uh, remain uh, the independent team we are. We, want, we are like 100% independent uh, right now. And we really want to remain that way. So we want to thank people who will help us to remain it. So that's why we have like really interesting reward on our Kickstarter. So it's, I mean, you, I think people should check it. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, Daniel, thank you very much for your time. I do Thank wish you. you the very, very best of luck in your future endeavours. Yeah, it's been a really good show. Thank you very much. And, uh, yeah, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Thank you. And so ends another episode of The Sausage Factory. Do leave us an iTunes review. And you can also, don't forget, listen to us on Stitcher.com. So just go to Stitcher.com and you can stream the show from there. You just look up The Sausage Factory and you can find us That'd be great. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris O'Regan, no apostrophes. And uh, if you want to email me any feedback on the show, or actually you're a developer, you listen to this show and want your game featured on it, 
please do email me at chris at spong.com. Bye!